welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. So, two principles of multiplication from this story. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down, okay? Here's number one. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. What if the disciples had taken the bread and the, and the fish and just given it away without Jesus blessing it? It never would have multiplied. Listen to me. Well, the Bible says that when we give our tithe to Jesus, to the body of Christ, to the church where we go, that Jesus himself, by the way, this is New Testament, Jesus himself receives our tithes and blesses them. It is the blessing of Jesus that gives our finances the ability to multiply. I know people that give a little here, give a little there, but their finances never have the blessing to multiply. The reason is because Jesus is the only one that can bless your finances. He's the only one. So the first principle is, and it's very, very simple, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. That was uh, Pastor Robert Morse from last year. How many remember that? We had him here. All right, let's give it up for our tech team. Did they do a great job with that? Yes. Uh, we'll have one of those each week uh, from Pastor Robert Morris. Had him here last year to talk to us about the blessed life. And uh, incredible things happened. Uh, great messages that we don't want you to miss. Uh, if you are not here or you need a refresher on them, they are on our website. If you go to the media page, you can watch those again. And I know that they were so strong. It was so good. Um, one thing that happened at our church last year, um, giving went up 60%. 66-0. Incredible, isn't that? That is amazing. Amazing. So, but we're talking about it again, and we're going to talk about giving, and a lot of people might say, the church just wants your money. See, you even said it went up 60%, and now you're after the money. Can I just ask you to pause for just a second if you have that thought? If you have it with the church just wants your money, exclamation point, can I just ask you to change one thing, and can you put a question mark there? The church just wants your money. Is that a question mark? Because I don't think it's an exclamation point. I think we should really just say, is it really true that the church just wants our money? Now, I want to tell you this, and I want to let you know as we start this series, we have never been in a better position financially as a church. Never. We have never been in a better position. The increase has been in the strongest. We have reserves. We are doing better. We are staying within budget. We are stronger than the entire history of our church. Never before has it been this strong. So if you say, well, the church just wants your money, that's why they're talking about it again, you couldn't be more wrong. And I want to tell you this, that we will love you whether you never give a dollar here and uh, people are paying for things around here and taking care of all the needs. And some of you came in and, and you've been here for years and you've never given a dollar at all and we've still loved you. Would anybody want to give a testimony? To I'm just kidding. You wouldn't want to... <laughs> I've been coming for years, never given anything, you know, so you don't want to do that one. 
We never say to people, sorry, um, you don't give, so we can't pray for you. We never say, sorry, you don't give, so we can't have you come in. We are here and ministering to you, and whether the church has a ton or whether the church has a little, we will adjust accordingly. Somebody's been taking care of this before you ever started giving, and we love you, and the church does not just want your money. And I thought about this. Think about this. You can't go to the Timberwolves game because they're finally good again. And uh, you can't go there and say, I just want to go in and see if I like the Timberwolves. I just want to see if I can check out the Timberwolves. I'm not sure if I'm really a fan or not, but a lot of people have been talking to me about the Timberwolves. And I thought I'd check it out, so I wanted to go in. And I don't really want to pay anything. I just want to be a part of this. How many know you're not getting into Target Center? How many know you're not getting in at the Vikings game, the Saints game? You're not getting in at the Packers game? Even the Green Bay Packers charge money. Okay? And their crazy fans buy little pieces of paper and get no value and raise millions of dollars for them, all right? So don't tell me the church just wants your money. I mean, seriously. Think about it. No one in this church has ever received a bill from this church, ever. You have never received a bill from us. Okay, even when someone writes a check that doesn't make it through, like it bounces or something, we send a really nice letter saying, hey, perhaps this was an oversight. If you'd like to reissue, here's your check. No harm, no foul. We're not mad at you. Nobody gets a bill here. Think about it. When you get home and you open your mailbox this week, the electric company will send you something. The gas company, water and sewer will send you something. The state will make you pay the taxes. And they do all these things and they force you to do it. And if you don't, they either turn it off or you go to jail. Nobody goes to jail coming to church, all right? Okay? The church, but yet we hear people, the church just wants your money. The church just wants your money. Try going to an Adele concert and not paying. Last time I checked, she's not doing free will offering concerts. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so really, we are about this. We're going to adjust up and down. We are going to take care of people. And you may not realize this, but in America, in a church like ours, it takes about $1,000 for every man, woman, and child that is here. And somebody has to take care of that. And if you're not giving, somebody else is doing that. Now, let me just say this to you. If you're not giving, because we talk about this, and I just want to share that it is for you. It's for your benefit. I hope I've laid this out strong enough. We are doing great. That doesn't mean we let off the throttle. We keep going forward, but we are doing great. And if you don't give, we're going to still do great. It's for your benefit. Now listen, I'm speaking specifically to people that have been coming for the last couple years. You're new to the church, and it's a proven fact that people come into the church, and it takes a couple years for giving all of a sudden to make the radar. But yet you come in, and you are part of the church, and somebody else paid for it, and you give your life to Jesus Christ, and you're like, oh, this is incredible. This is amazing. My life has been changed. Then you start joining life groups and you're making friends and maybe uh, you got a marriage mentor and we helped heal your marriage. And, And there's so many good things. And maybe you prayed with a prayer team member and God did a miraculous healing in your life and all these things are going on, but you've never addressed the area of finances. Let me just tell you, I want you to get this right because as you get this right, I believe God will bring blessings into your life. I believe that's so true. But I also believe as you get this right, The resources will come in and we will reach the next you. 
We will reach the next person with a broken marriage, the next person that did not have eternity with Jesus Christ, the next person that was sick, the next person that had no friends, the next person that had no purpose in their life. And as you start to do that, we will then go and reach the next person. And so I'm saying this series is really for those not yet here. It's for those that we want to reach. And so I'm saying, if you could get those other areas, and you're like, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing all these other things. If you can get this area in order, God will give you a breakthrough, and it's the next step in your spiritual growth, and we will continue to reach more people. Now, we're not shy about talking about money. Matter of fact, I kind of get excited about it, okay? And so you're like, well, that's because you get paid. I was talking about this before I ever got paid from the church, before that was ever settled by other people. I don't set my own salary, okay? I was talking about this and excited about this because I've seen the hand of God in my life ever since I was a little kid and bringing 10 cents of every dollar to the Lord. So I'm just excited about it. I don't shy away from it, and Jesus didn't either. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you could turn me to Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus has a famous incident where he's talking about money. It's a famous account. He's talking to a rich young ruler, and I want to lay this down as we start this series. In Luke 18, verses 18 through 23, it says, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, uh, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, He became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. So Jesus goes and talks to a guy that was rich. And he goes and talks to him and he gave us a couple principles as we talk about money. And the first thing would be this is that it's okay if people get offended when you talk about money. And I know that when we talk about money, people will get offended. And that's okay. I know that maybe when you said that we're doing a series called The Church Just Wants Your Money, people are like, yeah, that's right. And they got offended, you know. Well, it's okay if people get offended because Jesus was okay with it. Another thing that I see from this story is talking about money thins the herd. People will quit. It happens every year that we do this. So I talk about money and people quit. It breaks my heart because if you know the story here, Jesus was sad that this guy walked away and go, so get out of here. He didn't do that. He was sad. His heart broke. But you see another principle here. Some people are addicted to money, and it's the thing that keeps them from God. So you're addicted to it, and it keeps you from God. And so some of you, the thing that has kept you from your breakthrough, that has kept you from a relationship, is the fact that you love your money. Now, Jesus cared about this man's heart more than he did saying, you know, give me all the money. You notice he said, here's what you need to do. Sell everything you got, give it to the poor. He did say, sell everything you got, give it to me. Okay, he just laid it on the line for this guy. Sell everything he got, give it to the board. He was showing this guy, I care for your heart, okay? And then the other thing I noticed from this, and this is why I'm bold with this, Jesus didn't apologize. He didn't say, hey, here's the deal. Start following me for a little while. See if you really, I mean, because there's going to be some good stuff coming. And as it's good, Let's talk about money later. Let's just leave that one rest, okay? And, and, and if, if you don't want to do this right away, don't you worry, okay? Because, you know, we're just not, just follow, just come on, follow me. Don't worry, don't worry about it, okay? He didn't do that. He went right for this guy's idol. 
He went right there and he said, here's what it is. I'm going right for it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm not going to apologize. This is what we're going to do. I don't know what it's like at all of our campuses, but right now it's really quiet here. Could I just get an amen from everybody? Okay. All right. It was just really quiet. I was feeling it. All right. Okay. Loosen up. All right. Now, I want to help you. I want to help you, and I think this series will be practical for you because it'll help you. Some of you have been fighting in your marriages over this. Some of you maybe even were fighting this week about it. I want to help you because some of you are going off to college or you're in college and you're being sent credit cards and you can get in all sorts of trouble. And I'm trying to help you in this series. We're going to give practical advice. And I really believe, again, some of you, this is your breakthrough. This is your breakthrough. This is the thing that's standing between you and God. So let me give you a couple things that I'm going to have as premises on this. The first one is this. Everything you have belongs to God. Everything you have. And the Bible talks about this as really a form of stewardship, that you are a steward. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I'm just going to let you know, I believe everything we have belongs to God. Another thing that I'm going to let you know that I'm very clear on, I believe tithing is for today. And it is an act of worship. Got a smaller amen on that one, all right? Um, <laughs> number three, I think we should excel at giving. And by we, I mean this church, and then I'm going to go broader. I'm going to say the United States of America, okay? We are a very prosperous, blessed nation. And did you know that 50%, follow me on this, 50% of the world's top 1% live in the United States of America. 50% of the world's top 1% live here. Okay, because you see all this Occupy Wall Street going against the 1%, and we're going against the 1% of our nation, and yet the whole world, really, they could be like Occupy America and come and crash in on us and say, you've got 50% of the world's top 1%. What are you doing with all that money? Okay, so we should really excel at this. So let's start with this first thing. Everything we have belongs to God, and we are stewards of it. What is stewardship? I think we have a definition for this. If we do, they can throw it on the screen. Stewardship involves a person managing another's property or financial affairs. A steward is one who administers anything as the agent of another or others. Okay, so everything we have, everything that God gives us, it's really his. We are simply here on this earth managing everything he gives us. He gives us our breath. He gives us our health. He gives us the time that we have. He gives us our treasures. He gives us our talents. Everything we have comes from him. Everything. Matter of fact, I believe the person that understood this the best in the Bible was Solomon. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, this is what he's saying. He's doing a big, huge offering, and he says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. He's saying this offering wasn't even that spectacular, God, because everything that we did today, you gave it to us. It's kind of like when I was a little kid, my dad would give us money and say, you're going to buy your mom a birthday present. And then we'd go to the store and use mom and dad's money and come and bring mom a present and say, ta-da, it's for you. And she put that green ring on, you know, that ring that would make her finger turn green and just, I love you kids. And she bought it with dad, but I was like so excited. This is for you. Everything we give comes from God. 
And we just have to settle it right now that everything we have from God, and we have to answer who's our source. Who's our source? Who's the one that gives us everything? And I know I can hear some people right now. In your mind, you're thinking, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I did it. You did not. God gave you everything you have. He gave you the ability to breathe. He gave you everything. And you're going to have to answer, who's your source and how can you honor your source? Okay, so here and at all of our campuses, I want to illustrate this. All right, so I want our team that I asked to come up here to illustrate this with me. Come on up right away. Don't be shy and be a part of this. They're going to help me to illustrate uh, this principle of who's our source and how can we honor him. All right, so come on up. And uh, as you can see here, uh, the first person in line, you may not know this, but this is my mom. All right. All right. Interestingly... The, the last person is our oldest son, Connor. So, all right. And uh, mom, you brought me an apple. So I've got this. This will be part of my illustration here. And uh, I want to have one of you uh, take the, the first bite of this apple. And being that you gave me the apple uh, and, and you're my mom, you go ahead. Take the first bite of this. Do you want a second bite? Okay. All right. <laughs> go ahead. I want you to take. Now, did you notice what he did? He spun the apple. Did you see that? Even though it's my mom, he didn't want her spit. Did you see that? <laughs> Go ahead, take your bite. All right. Go ahead, pass it. Come on, he's a keeper. He's an eater. All right. All right. Did you spin the apple too? You did, didn't you? You didn't like his spit either. All right. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead, Connor. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead, just bite yourself. All right. Now, did you notice? Did you notice? They all took the bite and spun it around, spun it around, spun it around. But you know who didn't have to do that? My mom, the first one. You know why? Because I honored her. After all, she brought me the apple. After all, she gave me life, huh? Okay? Come on, there's a biblical example right there. She gave me life. She brought me the apple. All I, it was nothing to give her back the apple. And you know what? She didn't have to worry if there was a worm in there. If there was, Connor was getting it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was going down the line, right? Now, now, the person I give the first bite to, that's the one I honor. That's the one I trust as my source. That's what Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The one we honor is the one that gets the first bite. And when we say, God, it all belongs to you. You gave me life. You give me everything I have. You get the first bite. Not what's at the end. We all say, Lord, if there's anything left at the end, if there's anything left there, Lord, we'll just do that. Notice who was at the end? The intern was at the end, right? <laughs> intern. You know, you know what needs to be left at the end? Uh, entertainment and all those other things. That's at the end. God gets the first bite. Can we give them a hand? And if any of you want any of that, you can have the rest of it. Now, I believe that illustrates it for all of us, that God wants the first bite. I believe that he deserves the first bite. And so what we do at River Valley Church, we practice a thing here called tithing. 
It is giving God the first bite. It is giving God the first 10% of our income. That's what it means. A tithe means a tenth. And it's saying, I recognize you as my source. I recognize you as sovereign. I recognize you as the most important in my life. I recognize you. You are up there. And it's, it's, it's big enough. You ever wonder why it's 10%? And you may not realize this, but Abraham started tithing. Abraham, we'll get there in just a minute. But Abraham started tithing, and Abraham was so impressed. He said, from here on forth, I will give God 10%. So he picked 10%. How many are glad that he didn't say 13.7%? You know, we'd be passing out calculators in church. Like, can I get a calculator from the usher? I mean, you know. 10%, and 10% is a big enough bite that it gets your attention. Because how many know if he said, from now on, God, you're my source, I give you 1%. How many know that's not that much? But 10% gets your attention. And he said, I will give you 10%. You're my source. And when we give God 10%, we're saying, you're our source, and I trust you. And let me tell you something. I learned in high school, God's my source. And he asked me to be a giver over and above the tithe. And he asked me once to give everything I had in my pocket. And I did it that day. And afterwards, he said, what do you want from this? I aimed high. I said, I want to graduate debt-free from college. And I worked hard through college, and I graduated debt-free. And I remember God just whispering to me, who's your source? There were times in our church, we've always given to missions. We've never cut back from missions. Even in a financial crisis, we made do on all of our missions and made sure that all of our missionaries were paid anything that we missed them in that crisis. And we made sure of it. And God has come through with miracle after miracle. There was a banker in my office telling me one day we'd never move forward. He was walking out of my office and the miracle was in our lobby. And a family gave the largest gift our church has ever received. And I can hear God whispering even today, Who's your source? Do you believe the banker and the doubt, or do you believe that I'm your source and I will bring the resources into your life that you need? That family was new to our church for only four months, and God said, who's your source? Who's your source? I can tell you when we gave our landscaping money because we were in a crunch at church and we needed, God said, give that money and I'll take care of you. And I've shared this before. We gave our landscaping money and said, we won't have anything for landscaping. We'll just trust you. And somebody that didn't even go to our church was visiting. God spoke to them. And I want to make this very clear. I never did a hinting prayer or anything. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, Lord, could you just get our landscaping? Because we gave everything. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> never did a hinting prayer. And this guy that didn't go to our church came up and said, God told me while I was sitting here that I'm supposed to do your landscaping. Do you need any landscaping? I said, stay right there. I grabbed Becca, brought her back. She started to cry. And I can hear God whispering today, Who's your source? Who's your source? If he's our source, we will trust him. And if you notice, uh, I said, do you want a second bite? Do you want a second? If God wants a second bite, he can have a second bite. He can have a third bite. It's all his. I will give him whatever he asks. God is our source. Now, this is going to be a new revelation for those of you that are, I've been around the church a long time, and I got this tithing sermon down. I've heard it. I want you to understand this, and I want you to track with me. Tithing is worship. Tithing is worship. Tithing before there was the law. We have the law in Deuteronomy and Numbers. We have the law. God lays out that they should tithe and do certain things. But before he ever did that, Abraham worshiped God. 
Abraham worshiped God and was not told to bring a tithe. And in Genesis 14, 20, he says, and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abraham started to tithe because it was worship. Because his heart overflowed. You're my God. I trust you. You brought me this. And he tithed to Melchizedek, who was priest and king of Salem, who was a symbol. And this is going to get deep for a second. But he's a symbol of the coming Savior, Jesus Christ. And because Melchizedek took care of Abraham, and Abraham realized that that was God's provision in his life, he said, I will give you a tenth. And Hebrews 7, for those of you that want to dig into that, talks about Jesus being a priest of the order of Melchizedek. Okay? So he's saying it's a tithe is coming from the heart for worship. Okay? Track with me. Out of this, in Genesis 28, Jacob goes and brings a tithe. Let me read this for you. 28 verses 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me in this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up for a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And he said, I will give you, God, a tenth. Here's an interesting progression. And if you're reading your Bible devotion with us with soap, in Genesis 27, Jacob is not walking with God. He's playing the game. And he calls God, he calls him my father's God. He says, your God, your God. Then in Genesis 28, he's facing trouble. And he says, this God, if he comes through for me, will be my God. And when he's my God and my source and my person that takes care of me, I am trusting in him. I'm going to give my life. And if he becomes my God, then I will start to become a tither. Do you, are you grabbing this? All of a sudden, it's a progression. And some of you have gone from, I go to your church and I go to this church. But when God becomes your God and he saved your life and you get this and you have the understanding of this, you just start saying, out of worship, I will do this. Okay, so we move from worship there. And again, this is a teaching. I want you to grab this. We go from teaching, from, from worshiping God and giving out of worship from our heart to all of a sudden in Deuteronomy and Numbers, God's like, okay, here's how we're going to do this now. We're going to do this tithe thing. We're going to do this, and you're going to take care of the poor, and you're going to take care of the priest, and you're going to do this, and you've got this tithe and this tithe, and on the third year, you do this, and it averaged out to about 23%. 23%. Go ahead and read it. It's in there. But you've got to understand, they also ran their country from it. So it was their way of running their government. It was their way of running their benevolence. It was the way of running everything, Okay. So they had an average of 23%, and they've got to do this. And all of a sudden, instead of just being in love with God and wanting to give, they've got the law in there. And in the law, how many know that sounds a lot like taxes? Okay? And how many know it's not exciting to write your taxes out? And all of a sudden, it started to get like, well, I suppose we serve God. We're Israelites. We got to do the tithe thing. Here goes. Going to do the tithe thing. Going to bring our tithe. And pretty soon, tithe became like grudging. And it became legalism. 
and it became where it was all about, well, was that one of 10? Was that one of, did you do this offering and this? And all of a sudden, the, the followers of God, the Israelites, start to get legalistic, and they're missing the point, and that's where Jesus comes on the scene. And in Matthew 23, he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And he's like, do you understand it, guys? This thing is there, but God wants your heart. God wants you to give, and when you come to the temple, he wants you to give because you love him. And when you do this, he wants you to say, how much more do you want, God? And they're getting so legalistic, and they're losing the whole point that God is in a love relationship with them, and they are funding his love relationship to the world. And they're missing it, and they're getting legalistic, and it's getting so disgusting, and they're showing off how much they give, and there's other scriptures we'll look into on that but they miss it. It went from worship to legalism. And then Jesus comes along and raises the standard, but he brings us back to worship, back to the heart. And he says, I want you now to be doing this giving from your heart. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give generously. You know, basically he's saying you can't outgive God. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive and all these other principles. And, and some of us have said, well, that's right. I'm going to do it from my heart. And so as a, as a heart giver, I'll give 2%. I'll give 2%. I don't buy that. I don't buy that if Abraham and Jacob didn't even have the knowledge that we have, didn't even know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and because God was in relationship with them, they gave 10. I don't believe we can go below that. I believe the New Testament goes above that and goes beyond it. And we say joyfully, God, I give this to you. I love you. And this will be a form of worship. And when I bring the tithe to the church or when I see it go online, it's a form of worship. I love doing this because you changed my life. And I want to fund your mission now. I bring it to the church and I fund your mission. In the book of Acts, they brought it to the apostles, the foundation starting of the church. And they said, let's bring it to here. Let's pull it together. Let's do good. Let's change this world. Let's support people. Paul writes in Corinthians, he said, we have the right to be supported as ministers. We've got to do this. We've got to pay some that will equip the rest. And we'll have this massive volunteer source going out into the whole world and making a difference. But he says we're going to do this because we love God because it's worship. It's not necessarily in this way like, you know, it's an obligation. I have to do it. It's something that's an appreciation. It's an appreciation. Okay? Think about this. When it comes to your anniversary, if you're married, and you look at your anniversary, you say, well, anniversary, the day we got married, Suppose I better go buy a card. <laughs> Wonder how much I need to spend. You know, everybody does it. You know, it's anniversary day, so I got to buy a gift. You know, a couple. Are, are flowers on sale? I mean, where are they the cheapest? You know, oh man, is one rose enough? Does that say I love you? How many know you're in trouble? If you have, well, here you go, happy anniversary. <laughs> love you. You know, that's, that's not working, right? That's obligation. 
That's obligation. You just don't understand what your spouse means to you and how much they do for you and how much they love you. How many know that if it's an appreciation, you're like, I wish I could have spent more, but I didn't want to blow the budget. But I've been socking it away, and I had this, and I surprised you. I did the best I could. You know what? You're worth way more than that. This, you've been, you've meant so much more to me. I appreciate you so much more. I wish I had more to give, but I did the best with what I had. That's the type of love that God wants. Not, well, Lord, I gave you the least I could. So sad I went to church that day. Now I'm accountable. (laughs) Great. It's the wrong mentality. So who is your source and who do you love? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Ask yourself who gets the first bite. Who's your source? Who do you love? Who do you honor? Who gets the first bite? Is it your house, your car, your hobby? And God gets the, well, there might be a seed in there, Lord. Or does God get the first bite? And I do it not because I have to, but because I want to. And we are in a giving and tithing because of love. And I pray our church will grab that. Give God the first bite. So Lord, I pray right now that you would help us all to realize that you deserve the first bite. You want the first bite. You're our source. Everything we have comes from you. There's no one here that's a self-made man or woman. Everything we have comes from you. And so God, we commit to doing this because we love you, a heart of worship. We understand that there are great principles in the law, and we're going to look into those principles of giving and the principles of taking care of the poor and the principles of honoring you and giving you the best. We're going to look into that. But God, we realize right now everything we have comes from you, and we give you willingly the first bite. We give you the first bite. And so, God, I just pray as we step out in faith and do that, as we trust you in tithing, I know that there's fear in people. I've heard it over and over and over again. There's fear. But, Lord, you're our source. If we've trusted you with our eternity, if we've trusted you with our life, Lord, how much easier should it be to say, Lord, we trust you in the area of finances. We trust you. You're our source. You're going to take care of us. We're your children. You will take care of us. So, God, I pray that our faith would rise up and that we trust you and honor you, say we love you, we appreciate you, and we will give you the first bite. So I thank you for this. Blessings to rest upon the church in this area of finances so we can reach more people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.